Appreciate you. Thank you, Greg. Thanks, mate. Thanks a lot. Thank you. You can take your seats. Thank you for that. It is so good. You know, the last time I preached anywhere other than my own local church was here on the 20th, I think it was the 20th of March last year. So um, this is my first time let out, released from Legacy Church so that I can be somewhere else. It is brilliant to be here, brilliant to be in a live setting where we can all see each other. I know there are restrictions, but um, hey, at least we get to see each other, don't we? Well, we do, don't we? At least we sit with normal people rather than screens and just watch things happening. We can at least hear people behind us. Amen. Didn't like that. I don't know what he's talking about or whatever it is that you say. Um, I just want to commend um, Sujith, Reshmi and the team here for the way that even walking in the building this morning, just seeing the changes that are taking place. New people here, new faces. I know at a board level or a trustee level, we're changing things and ramping things up. Everything is getting much better. And I just want to commend the team for everything they do to make sure that everything is done in the best possible way. But more than that, with faith and with honor of who God is, which is really important, isn't it? We, want to be, we don't want to just be building things. We want to be building things that are kingdom expressions for who God is. And so it's well done, guys. Well done, Dave, and all that you're doing in all the, all the areas that you're doing. It's really commendable to see, not just sitting there saying, well, this is it, but pushing forward into what God has got, which is brilliant to see. And even seeing the changes as you walk into the room, it just feels very different. So that's brilliant because it's really important that we don't just stagnate that we realize that in our hands, we've got the power of potential. In your life, there is incredible potential that God has placed. Do you believe that? Some of us. There is incredible potential in your life. And it doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter how young you are. You might have been coming to this church for 30 years. You might have been coming here for three weeks. It doesn't matter where you are right now. Your future is brilliant, but you've got to engage with God in your future. And the fact is, what I'm going to talk about today is some principles about sowing and reaping. Because this word here, we like to talk a lot about it, but what we've got to do, we've got to activate faith. Faith is different to belief. So Jesus, Jim says this, that the demons believe that Jesus is the Son of God. But we know they're not going to heaven. We know they're not followers of his. Followers have faith. Demons have belief. You can have a belief about something today that doesn't affect your life at all. You can believe something and it, it can be impacting your life, but it can be untrue. Belief is just something that you hold. Faith is something you walk into. Faith is an action word. It's a stepping into word. And when we, when we read the Bible, when we look at what the Bible says, God has put into our hands the majority of what he wants us to do. He's already accomplished so much for us. He's given us salvation. He's given us hope. He's given us destiny. He's put into us his kingdom. Now he says, go and express it. I think when we look at the church, there are people in the church who are still living in a wilderness mentality. Do you know what the wilderness mentality was? When they came out of Egypt, they walked through the wilderness, and everywhere they went, it says that God gave them manna in the morning, they had quail in the evening, their clothes didn't run out, and they trusted God, and he did it all for them. But when they came into the promised land, what, did, what happened? The manna stopped, the quail stopped, the cloud of, of 
um, the cloud was with it by day and the fire by night. That stopped. Now they had to follow the ark, the word of God. Now they had to move into the land and he says, you have to sow and you have to reap. What does that mean? Responsibility. It means you and me activating what we've got given to us by God so that we can multiply into our future what we've got. Now, I don't want to be offensive this morning. I really don't. But if you don't like where you are, change what you're sowing so that you can be somewhere different in the future. Oh, but I hate my life. I hate the way things are going. I hate what's happening to me. I hate the way my family is, and I can't stand our marriage. It's no good. Nothing. Well, change the way that you sow. Don't complain about the harvest you're reaping now, and then just put up with it. Decide today, okay, if I sow differently into my marriage, if I sow differently into my family, if I sow differently into my workplace, maybe in a year's time I'll be reaping a different harvest. Are you with me? Now, listen, I don't want you to get negative because things go wrong just by the nature of living on the planet. Things happen to us. But there's a lot that happens to us that we can change if we begin to sow differently. If we begin to have an investment mentality rather than just, God, come and fix it. God says, no, no, you fix it. God, will you sort her out? I don't like the way she speaks to me. God says, treat her differently and she'll treat you differently. Hello? Hello? Sometimes the power's in our hands, and we're asking to do what he's told us to do. And so I want to talk about that this morning. Is that okay? Listen to Genesis 8.22. As long as the earth endures, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night will never cease. You hear that? Four things that he says. Seed time and harvest, sowing and reaping. Cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night will never cease. I wish we could remove two of them instantly. I wish we could remove winter and cold. I don't do both. But the fact is, winter and summer, why? Because there's refreshing that comes in a winter period. There's stuff that comes to us in a, in a, in a winter period where the work is going deep down rather than fruit so that we can get ready for our summer period. And you might be in a winter period right now and you think, oh, can't stand this. Well, summer's coming. The great thing about God, seasons happen, don't they? All of us, I guess, prepare for our season. How many of us in about April started to think, okay, where's my flip-flops? Where's my shorts? Where's my t-shirts? You know what I mean? Sun is starting to break through these gray clouds, even though it didn't come out in April and it rained all the way through May. We're still optimistic Brits, aren't we? But the fact is, when September comes, you'll be looking at those coats again at the back of the closet or wherever you put them. And you'll be... Why? Because you know the season's changing. You prepare for it. In your house, or my house, let me tell you, I've got, I've got my family has moved, two families just moved back in with us. My kids have moved back in with their kids. So at night, we've got fans going. We must, our clock must be going. Because all night long, the fans are blowing on the kids and on us and all that stuff. Why? Because of heat. In the winter, what do we do? We put that switch on that kicks in the heat in. Why? Because we know it's going to be cold. We prepare for it. We prepare for dark and light. So we've created light. So we have candles, whichever. Every generation the same. We prepare for it. In the sunshine, it's great. But when the night comes, we put the lights on. Why? Because we know it's coming. Well, the Bible gives us four things, not just three. Sowing and reaping. We're intentional in every area of our lives, I think, when it comes to hot and cold, summer and winter, day and night. How intentional are we with the fourth one of sowing and reaping? 
I don't mean being a farmer out in the field. We don't think much like this anymore because we open tins or go into the freezer or we go to the, you know, we walk around Asda and we pull it off the shelves and we don't necessarily think where did that come from. But every other generation understood that that was once in the field, somebody had to pick it, somebody had to sow it, somebody had to sort it so that we could then eat it. But for you and me, you see, what we do is we relegate where things come from and then we forget the principle that the Bible talks about. And for you and me, sowing and reaping is a very, very, very important thing that God has not just invited us, he's commanded us to be involved in. We need to think differently so that we can build a future for ourselves. I've got, I've got four kids, I've got four grandkids, another grand, you know, another grandkid on the way, and all of this is happening. And I look at my family, and, and I can hope my family will change. I can pray my family will change, I can believe my family will change, or I can sow into them to make them change. Are you with me? Because the fact is, it doesn't matter who we are, sometimes we're praying for things and God says, so differently. Oh, but God, I need you to do so differently. But God, I so differently. Because God won't counteract what we are sowing with a miracle just because we want a miracle. He has built principles in. So if you are sowing stupid, how can you reap brilliant? Now, you interpret that whichever way you want to. But you, do you get what I mean? And sometimes we're saying, God, it's not fair. God, you're not doing. God, why aren't you? God, won't you? And God says, so differently. If you, in, if you will sow you will reap. And sometimes in life, we can look at people and they drive past us, they walk past us, or they sit beside us. We think it's okay for them. Maybe they're just sitting in a harvest that they've sown for, and we haven't sown the same stuff. And what we're wondering is why they have got it and we haven't. Now, I know, again, please, sometimes that's not true. But the fact is, the Bible says, if you sow, you will reap. So let me give you some verses. Is this Okay. Yeah, I want to teach us because I think it's really important that we don't come to church always hoping. We're not called to live by hope, we're called to live by faith. Hope is, oh, I hope something happens. Faith is, I'm going to step into it and I'm going to action what God has told me to do. I'm going to involve myself in it. So the first thing I want you to understand is growth comes from what we sow. Hear that? Growth comes from what we sow. Listen to what it says in Galatians 6, 7 to 9. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. That's a man and a woman. Sorry, guys. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please the flesh, from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Do you hear what Paul is saying? If you sow to this area of your life, you'll reap from it. If you sow to that area of your life, you're going to reap from that. The place where you sow is what will grow. Yes? Wherever you're sowing into, that's the thing that's going to grow. So if, if we want a good harvest, we've got to sow intentionally good seed, the right seed. So imagine a farmer now, right? He's got a, he's got a barrel full of carrots and he wants a harvest of apples. I know what I'll do. I'll sow these carrots, because the principle is, if I sow, I'll reap. So he sows the carrots into his field, gets them all laid in, and then at the end of the year, what's he going to reap? 
Herod. Why? Because it doesn't matter what he wants, what he sows is what he'll reap. If he wants corn, he's got to sow corn. If he wants life, he's got to sow life. If he wants hope, if he wants encouragement, if he wants love, he's got to, whatever we sow. And when Paul is talking about this, he's saying, look, you can sow into this stream, which is for yourself, or you can sow into kingdom, which is beyond yourself. And if you're sowing for yourself, you're going to reap destruction. He's not talking about... Um, sowing good things into your family or he's talking about if you're sowing greed and you're sowing anger and you're sowing malice, you're sowing fleshly things, you're going to end up in destruction. But if you're sowing kingdom things, things of the spirit, if you're sowing life, if you're sowing energy, if you're talking to people, you're encouraging people, you're trying to put into them, you're trying to sow into them, then you are going to reap from that. For what a man sows will grow. And maybe, maybe right now, the harvest that you're seeing is something that's growing. You don't like it? I've got things growing in my life that I think that is a fruit of some stuff that I've sown. What do I do? Well, I can uproot it, I can live with it, or I can begin sowing something different. And for you and me, we've got to, we've got to understand that if I'm here today, every one of us can have a better future. Every one of us, no matter how bad your past has been. You might say, but I've just come out of prison and I've just come out of doing this, that and the other. Listen, you are in control of your future. You can sow a new future and have a new harvest because what you sow will grow. It's the principle. And, you know, we can try and do all the manner of things and we can blame God. We can blame people. We can blame the government. We can blame everybody else. But actually, what you sow will grow. What you sow will grow. What is God doing? He's saying, you're responsible for you. I know, me and you, we don't want responsibility, do we? It's brilliant when you can blame everybody else. Government, school, education, where I was brought up, how I was brought up, my accent, the way that I look, the things that go wrong in my life. It was their fault. And we're living in a culture today where everybody's to blame except me. Aren't we? But actually, if I want to change my future, it begins with me sowing what I want to see. So what do you want to see? It's a really important question. What do you want to see in your life? Oh, well, I'd love God to do this. Well, start sowing it. Oh, I'd love God to give me a breakthrough. I'd love God to give me help. Well, start helping somebody else. Start working with Start investing into the kingdom. Start taking what you've got and sowing it into other people's lives. Why? Because it'll multiply. It'll actually come back to you. And it'll flow in your life so much more than what you can imagine. Second thing, sowing is about activating our faith. So, listen to what it says, 2 Corinthians 9, 6 to 8. Remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you'll abound in every good work. We like that last part. So that you're having all that you need at all times, you'll have enough to give at every occasion. You just think, oh, I want to live in that, that I'm going to be abounding in everything. Yeah, but it begins, remember this, if you sow well, you'll reap well. If you don't sow well, you won't reap well. So what we sow will grow. Yes? 
How much we sow determines how much it'll grow. So it's not just an activation of, okay, well, you know, there's a principle, and if, if I do this little bit, that's enough, and it'll be okay. And the, re- the reason I want to talk about this, right, is because if the Bible says this, what a man sows, he will reap. If that is true, then why aren't we living it? Why is it that somehow we've got this dislocation between what we are actually doing and what the Bible says? Just imagine that Elon Musk walked in here today. You all know Elon Musk, the electric car guy, or Richard Branson, or whoever it is, and he said, come here, I've got some insider knowledge for you. This next year, Tesla shares are going to quadruple by now. If I was you, I got, in fact, in fact, I am so guaranteed that this is going to happen. I, Paul, sell your house, and if you invest that and it goes wrong, I will give you all the money that you lost. Just imagine that deal. You'd be like, I can't lose. Brilliant. Well, that's what God is saying to us. If you sow, you will reap. Not might, not could. Not maybe, some of you, if you're a good person, if you are one who fits into the right category, if you do it the right, no, no, if you sow, you will reap. Absolutely guaranteed, stone cold, definite. And, uh, well, yeah, God, if I had someone to sow, I'd sow. We've all got someone to sow. All of us have got stuff in our lives that we can sow. But the fact is, if, we, if we're going to sow, we have to activate faith. Because the problem with sowing is, it actually has a time lag. I don't know if you've ever seen the principle or understood the principle of sowing. You've got to take something that you've got today. So just imagine now, right, I've got a barrel of corn. I don't know what people do with corn, I'm assuming. Do you make bread out of corn? No, is it? What, is it? what do you make bread out of? Wheat. Anyway, I've got a barrel of wheat. So I've got a choice now, right? I can eat this barrel of wheat. Eat and wheat, I'll have to remember that one. I can eat this barrel of wheat, or I can split some of it, eat half of it, and sow half of it. The problem with sowing half of it is that I want to eat it now. Now, the older generation will know what this is called. It's called saving, or not spending everything at the same time. This new generation, we don't know about this. We just, we just think, why isn't it going further? I'm being a bit facetious, but you get what I mean. The fact is, if if I am willing to hold back half of that barrel and just live on a little bit, and if I'm willing to sow it and think, okay, what have I got to do with it? First thing, I've got to take it and I've got to sow it beyond myself. That's risky because now I'm not eating it, I'm not enjoying it. I've got to trust that it's going to produce something. It's got to fall into the soil. Jesus says this, unless a grain of seed falls into this soil and dies, it abides alone. So we've got to see it die. What does that mean? It's got to die to us. We've got to say, I can't have that now. I've got to sow it. But I want it now. But yeah, but I've got to sow it. Why? Because I'm thinking of the future. So I release it. It gets hidden. And this is the problem with for all of us. We don't like the hidden of sowing because we want it now. We live in a microwave. I live, as I say, walk into Asda's, pick that off the shelf. I don't know where it came from. It could have come from Italy. It could have come from America. I don't know where, I don't care where it comes from. I just want it now. 
But actually, the principle of sowing and reaping is that you put it into the soil and it's hidden for a time until finally the harvest comes. And the faith aspect is releasing what you've got today so that you can enjoy the multiplication of it tomorrow. That's the challenge for you and me. That's the faith aspect, that I'm going to sow what God has given me today because I'm going to invest and I'm going to see something happening in my future. Now, the thing is, Tesla, if he says, I guarantee it, we'd all be signing up for it. But how much more should we be signing up for what God has said? Because when God talks about sowing and reaping, he's not just talking about, I want to get it back to you. He's saying, I want to change things through you. I want to impact I want to change society. I want to change community. I want to change the church. I want to give you the ability to go further, to do more, to impact people's lives as you sow. So Paul, remember, is talking here to the Corinthian church, and he's saying, you've you've said that you're going to be part of an offering. Come on, guys. Those who sow sparingly will reap sparingly. Those who sow generously. So he's actually talking about finance. How many of us want more finance? The rest of you are liars. The fact is, we want more finance, but what we don't do is put into operation the principle. I was talking to my son about this recently, and he was saying to me, Dad, why don't you invest? You know, why aren't you on the stocks? Why haven't you done that? And I said, well, actually, I do invest. He said, oh, I didn't know that. I, I didn't know you invest. And I said, yeah, it's just that I sow. Come on, explain, because he's, he's 28. He's, you know, wondering what I'm up to. What, what have you got? I said, well, I, when, I, when I invest, I invest into the church. So I said, every month I put into the church my tithes, but every month I put in on top of that an offering, and we give to this and we give to that, and we sow in here because God says that you will reap when you sow. Yeah, but, but I don't know if that's, I don't know if, and he had all these questions, and I said, the problem is, mate, for you it's a matter of faith. You believe in Elon more than you believe in Eloy. You believe in the Tesla guy more than the one who created the heavens and the earth. And that's the fact, you know. We can back our pensions and we can back our insurance and we can back this and back that. God's the best deal to back that you will ever find. And if you, if you sow sparingly, he says, you will reap sparingly. Now listen, I'm not here to convince you. I'm here to share what the Bible says. I believe and I have proved in my life over 35 years that God actually blesses you when you sow. So we've sowed for 30 years, 35 years. Sowed into our family, into our kids, into our church, into the ministry, into, the, into different people. And every time we've sown, we've reaped. Because it's fact. What you sow will grow. What you sow will grow. What you store won't grow. What you store, you can, you can keep it all and you can lock it all up and you just think, well, that's, that's for me. It's not that it won't grow by interest and all the rest of it, but we're talking about growing you and growing the stuff that God wants to grow beyond you. We think very often, see, that we've got to throw our seed instead of sow our seed. We're not throwing it. Anytime you sow anything in the kingdom by faith, it's not leaving your life. It's moving into your future. Are you with me? So a farmer, if, if 
Pete was here now. He would say, yeah, when you go out and you sow into the field, you know there's a return coming. Why? Because you haven't, it hasn't left your life. It's hidden, but actually you're going to reap it in the future. And so when we sow, we're actually investing into the kingdom so that God can give us. Listen, listen how faith operates. This is Jesus speaking to his disciples. Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it'll be measured back to you. So Jesus says this. If you give, it'll be given back to you. And he uses a, a market term. He says, you'll have a measure. So what they used to do, they used to turn up with their bags and they'd, they'd go up to the guy and say, okay, you know, I want, I want you to fill my bag. So the guy would come along and he'd say, right, he'd get his, his weigh-in item that he would say, see, that's a kilo. He'd pour into it and then he'd tap it down to make sure there was no air in it, to make sure that it was a good measure. So he'd tap it down tap it in the sides, make sure everything went through. Then he'd pour in a bit more, make sure that it was up to the level. Then just for good measure, he'd pour on so that it would be spilling over. Then he'd pour it into the woman. And they would know then, that's the best guy to go to at the market because he gives you a good measure. That's what Jesus is talking about. Shaking together, running over. When you give, the guarantee of Jesus is, he will give to you not just what you've given, but good measure, shaken together, running over into your lap. But where does it start? Give. Where do we want it to start? Get. Oh, if I could just have more, I'd give more. And God says, you can't have more until you give more. No, but if I add more, and you've said, some of you have said this to God, God, if you would just fix this problem, I promise you I'll give. And God goes, give, and I promise you I'll fix the problem. Why? Because faith is what he's looking for, not just the practice of doing stuff. He wants us to operate by faith. And faith is activating when we don't see, before we see, so that we can see. And so it's really important that you and me understand that. Number three, are we doing okay? We have to sow patiently. James says this, be patient then, brothers and sisters, verse Chapter 5, verse 7 to 8. Until the Lord's coming, see how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains. You too, be patient, stand firm, because the Lord's coming is near. He's talking about the second coming, but he uses this illustration of a farmer being patient. This is where me and you hate sowing and reaping. Because we want to sow today, reap tomorrow. In fact, tomorrow's, that's a long time. Can I reap today, please? We're so impatient in our generation. We, you know what I mean? I can remember what it was to write my sermons out. I can remember when you had to write a letter to everybody. Can you remember the days? Some of you don't know what I'm talking about. You had to write a letter, and then you'd put a stamp on it. And when, when I first met my wife, she was living in Canada, and I was living here. Well, I was living in Wales. And so I used to write a letter to her, and I'd send it, and then she'd write back when she got it, which would be about five days' time. So it would be about 14 days' communication. Can you imagine that today? We can't wait three seconds. Why aren't they answering? I text them. When do you text them? Three minutes ago, and they haven't answered me yet. What's the matter with these people? We are so impatient, our generation. And we want everything to happen now. We want everything to happen yesterday. Why isn't this happening? This isn't fair. This 
Chill. Can I just say this to you? It takes years to build a life. It takes years to build an inheritance. It takes generations to build the thing that sometimes we want to have. You see, we see somebody who just appears on social media and all of a sudden they're famous with 10 million followers and we think they're famous. Yes, for a moment. But to build a life takes a long time. If you've got kids, you've got to sow into their lives. You've got to sow life. You've got to sow about kingdom. You know what that means? You always speak well of church. Speak it up, never speak it down. Never have a conversation, never have pasta for lunch. You know what I mean? Oh, Sujith didn't do this and Sujith didn't do that. And your kids are sitting there absorbing it all. Hate church, hate church, hate church, hate church. And we are thinking, I'm so in life. No, you're not. You're so in death. Talk up God. Talk up miracles. Speak about all the breakthroughs and none of the heartbreaks. You know, we sit down with our kids now, right? And we sit down and, and sometimes, my daughter now is pastoring the church in Doncaster that I, that I oversee. She's pastoring it with uh, my son-in-law. And so sometimes she'll say, oh, we need, to, we need to sort so-and-so. You know, they'll be great for that. And we go, um, Key, I wouldn't do that if I was you because we had some stuff in the past and you may need to check that out first. And she'll say, what do you mean? I thought they were brilliant. Well, they are brilliant. But, you know, we had some challenges. You were challenging me. Well, I never knew about that. No, you shouldn't know about that. You should grow up thinking everybody's brilliant. Why? Because we were sowing life into you not death. We were so in hope and future, not the opposite. And please, please, parents, grandparents, be very careful with your kids. So life, so destiny, so kingdom. Speak up everybody's. Don't, don't make them cynical. Make them people of faith so that when they come to church, they just love everybody because everybody's brilliant. And we are all brilliant, aren't we? Yeah. Yeah, so sometimes we get it wrong. But the fact is, Let's speak that up. Let's make sure. And patience. It takes, it takes time to build a family. It takes time to build a business. It takes time to build a church. It takes time to build a person. It takes time to build what God wants to build in you. And hear me, please understand this. God is in no rush with you. He is in no rush with you. So he wants you to get some great principles built into your life. Because he wants you fruiting for generations. He wants you building a life that impacts you. So he speaks to Abraham and he says, it's not about you, Abraham. It's about the generations to come. Look up to the sky. See the stars. Look down to the sand. See this. That's what I'm doing through you, Abraham. And how long did it take for Abraham to have his first son? 25 years. God could have done it after three days. Couldn't he? God could have gone, there we are, Abraham. So why was it that he took 25 years? Because patience and faith are key words locked together. And if you're not seeing the breakthrough now, keep sowing. If you're not seeing things move now, keep sowing. If you, were, if you want a financial future, it's great that Sujith prayed for it today, but heaven says you've got to sow for it too. You've got to make sure that you're investing into the right things, that you are making sure that you are sowing by faith, because faith is a kingdom principle. It's not just about throwing what we've got, but doing it patiently. Number four, okay, 
There will be times when you sow and others reap. Oh, we don't like that one, Jesus. The thing is, sowing and reaping doesn't work. I've tried it before. I've had people say this to me numbers of times. I've tried it before. It always works. All, hello? It always works. How can I say that? Because I know it does. But sometimes it works in a way different to what we think it works. But it always works. And I guarantee this. If, if we were thinking finance, if I've got a tenner and I sow it into the kingdom by faith, I will reap from it even if I don't reap the way that I think I will. But I will reap and there will be reaping on it. Listen to what Jesus says in John 4, 37. Thus the same one sows and another reaps is true. I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. Others have done the hard work and you have reaped the benefits of their labor. So Jesus is saying to his disciples, listen, you are going to reap what somebody else has sown. And you're going to enjoy reaping what they have sown, even though they did all the labor. So let's just think about this building right here. You are sitting right now in the dream of a past generation. You're sitting on seats that people paid for, some of them no longer here. You are enjoying the atmosphere and the, and the heritage of what has been paid for by another generation. I of sowing that we are standing as the reaping the harvest. So the church that we, we pastor in Doncaster was about 450 right at the beginning and then it went through this whole time of problems down to about 50 people and now it's back up to about 400. Well, I don't know what it is now. It may be about 20, you know what I mean, after COVID. But the fact is, we, the harvest of what they sowed over generations is what we stand in. You and me, we will sow and others will come and reap. Let me give you an illustration, right? And it's, it's really important we understand this. In 1986, 7th of December, a young guy at 24 with dyed blonde hair, yearing, living his life away from God, went to church, sat in a church meeting, responded to Jesus in an apostolic church in South Wales. Dingy church with the paint peeling off the walls, smell of damp, you know, it was one of them old buildings. And I gave my life to Jesus. Transformed by the miracle of Jesus. I remember coming out of the back room because in those days, uh, I didn't put my hand up. My dad said to me, are you going out? And I said, yeah, I want to go out there. Because he'd made the appeal, but I didn't want to say yes in front of everybody. So we went out in the back room. So my dad, who died this year, he stood with me and he prayed me into the kingdom with the pastor. So he prayed for me and that night. So I walked out of the back room and this big, big lady, Mrs. Hopkins, her name was. Oh, love, come here. Let me give you a hug. In them days, you could hug in church. Let me give you a hug. And she came up to me and I'm 24, cool, but thinking I'm cool. You know what I mean? Long hair, dyed, all the stuff. What's going on? We've been praying for you for years, love. We've been praying for you. We believe in for you. You and your brother, we've been praying for you, blah, 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 blah. Roll forward 18 months forward. I'd met Dell. We'd got married. We'd gone to Bible college into Doncaster. So just outside Doncaster, Mattersea Old Bible College went there. Within two years, we were pastoring over in Darton. Wills had sown. Darton Barnsley had reaped. They, I was now pastoring, seeing people saved, seeing people. In 
20, 20, 2001, I had a call from somebody, come over to Doncaster, when you take the church on, so we went to Doncaster. We've had four kids, most born in Barnsley, one born in Wales, that was Josh, our oldest. Six years ago, God started to stir us about doing something in Wales. Josh especially has always identified himself as a Welshman. So we're going to plant a church. We're going down to Swansea. We're going to plant a... Who do we send? We send six people down from Doncaster and they move into Wales, into Swansea, into that area. So right now, they are pastoring a church in Wales. See, we... They sowed, we reaped. We sow, they reap. It's the principle of the kingdom. Why is it that, that Sujith is sitting here today? Bury St. Edmunds is reaping from somebody's sowing. And there's other people who were brought up here who are, who are planting someone else or doing other things. Why? Because God says, no, no, you can't always see the harvest. It's always happening. But you don't, you don't always become a recipient of your seed. But you will see the growth and the impact and you'll see what I'll do through it. Because God always gives harvest on what is sown. Final thing, we've got to sow in every season. Ecclesiastes 11, 4-6, whoever watches the wind will not plant. Whoever looks at the clouds will not reap. As you do not know the path of the wind or how the body is formed in a mother's womb, so you cannot understand the work of God, the maker of all things. Sow your seed in the morning and at evening, let your hands not be idle. For you do not know which will succeed, whether this or that, or whether both will do equally well. What is the Ecclesiastes saying? He's saying, if you look at the wind, oh, it's not right season now. Actually, it's too windy. The seeds will get blown. Oh, it's raining now. Oh, when shall I do it? When shall I? And he's saying, no, no, you've got you to do it now. Now is the time to sow. Now is the time. Yeah, but I, I don't, I, if I lose this seed, I haven't got, no, you've got to trust God and you've got to sow now. What we like to do is we like to, we like to gauge everything. Have I got enough? Is this the right time? Is this the, oh, does God want me to do it? And if I had enough of that, and if I could get this sorted, then I'll sow. God says, no, no, now. Right now in my house, I'm building, Dell has got me building this big fireplace in the back. I used to be a plumber and heating engineer, and so I used to be able to do a bit of bricklaying. She said, great, you can do it, can you? It's taken me eight months, and I'm still not finished. Drive me mental. And the, the last month, you know when you look at those weather apps, and you think, oh, it's going to rain tomorrow. So Friday is my day off. So I look at it, oh, it's going to rain. So I sit in the house and I'll do something else. And I think, why isn't it raining? And then I go out and try and do it. And then it'll, it'll rain for a bit. Or, and I get caught in between all the time. Why? Because I'm watching the weather instead of just doing and trusting. Come on, let's get on with it. You know, when you watch environments and you watch situations and you watch this and you're cautious with that and cautious with the other, you end up doing nothing. Have you ever had the thought, go and bless that person. Go and sow into that person. Make that phone call and tell them, I want to buy that for you. I want to give that to you. I want, go and encourage that person. And then you think, oh, yeah, oh, uh, what, if I, what if I encourage them and they don't like it? What if they don't understand what I'm doing? And you talk yourself out of it before you've done it. What you've done is you've given in to the moment instead of given to the moment. And faith is about you and me catching moments. It's about not thinking it through, but understanding, God, I believe that you want, to, 
you want to do something through me. Because what I found in church circles, for you and me, right, there's a faith movement and then there's a mindset that takes over. So when you're in an environment of faith or you're in a moment of faith, you think, I'm going to do that. And then you rationalize. By the time you got in the car, it's like, oh, maybe I'll give half of that. And oh, maybe I won't do that. No, well, I'll have a chat with the wife or the husband. And then by the time you get to it, you had this grand idea. And now it's that size. And you think it's not worth doing. And what you've done, you've missed the moment of sowing because you've talked yourself out of it. Maybe this is not you. Maybe it's just me. But the fact is, God wants you and me to be sowing in every moment. Not waiting for the opportunity, but understanding with God, every moment is an opportunity. There's a parable in the Bible where Jesus talks about this guy who has this great harvest. He pulls in this amazing harvest and he thinks to himself, I ain't got enough room in my barns for this. And so he says to his men, tear down the barns, build new ones, because I'm going to store the harvest, because I've got enough to live on now and be happy the rest of my life. And Jesus says this, the fool. He did not know that that night God would require of him his soul. What was he saying? He was stowing on earth, but he wasn't stowing and sowing for heaven. And you and me, we can plan for days we haven't got. We can plan for times that God hasn't given us. And we can try and prepare everything. The best principle is to sow into the kingdom because I know where it's going. I put thousands of pounds, thousands and thousands into the kingdom of God, which is not all about you. You reap here, but there's an eternal reaping the Bible talks about. There's a blessing that comes from heaven. And you can read it through the scriptures. God hasn't called us to stow, but to sow so it'll grow. We are not meant to be reservoirs, living for ourselves. We're meant to be rivers. Remember what Jesus said. On the last and greatest day of the feast, he got up and said, If any man believes in me, out of him will flow rivers of living water. What was he talking about? He's talking about the spirit, but he's talking about a principle. My people are river people, not damn people. They're not, they're not people who just look after number one. There's a flow. There's a flow that needs to come from this church because this community needs to know that we're not putting a thing up outside that says we need your help. We are the helpers. We are the ones who help society. We're the ones who change society. We're the ones who sow into society. I want to challenge you over this next week. Why don't you think, God, what do you want me to give? What do you want me to give into this faith offering? What do you want me to do? When you're standing in the queue, I challenge you, the next time you stand in, in Costa Coffee, say, could I pay for them as well, please? See their faces. What did you do that for? Oh, I just felt that I wanted to do We were listening to someone in church the other day about sowing. Just wanted to bless you. What's that about? That's strange. Just sow. Go in and sow. Start to increase your risk and increase what you do. And have some fun with the resource that God has put into your life. What's a cup of coffee? Three quid? Don't look convinced. Walk up to the person in work that you don't like. and Say, hey, I got a coffee for you this morning. Walk up to the person who's speaking bad about you and sow something different. See the change that takes place. You see, the Bible says this, that when we treat people who exploit us differently, we heap coals, hot coals on their head. What's it saying? They can't cope with it. 
it freaks them out. And the church needs to be not resistant and negative and cynical. We need to be life givers wherever we walk in, that we change the atmosphere, we change the environment. We walk in and everybody's down and we say, hey, how's it going? Come on. Oh, you know what? I've bought a couple of coffees or I've got this or I'm just thinking about that. Could we? Come on. And there's life flowing from us. Why? Because we're intentionally sowing. But I haven't got no money. You don't have to sow with money only. Faith is not just about money, it's about words, thoughts. Somebody doesn't speak to you as they walk past you in the road. <laughs> What's the matter with them? No. Thank you, Jesus. Bless them. I don't know why they didn't talk to me, but they're great people. They would never do that purpose. Change your thinking and sow a new thought. What will you do? You'll reap a new action that will allow you then to become a different person. Let's be the church. Let's be kingdom people. Let's be intentional. Let's take what God has given to us and move it forward into our lives so that we are living in a world of blessing because the blessing is not about the stuff. It's what we do with the stuff. It's what's flowing from us that's impacting people around us. I wonder if you bow your heads a moment. Some of you may have already given into the offering. I, want to, I just want to challenge you. Are you. Have you sown? Or have you just tipped God? Have you been intentional and thought, God, I really I want to stand with you and your kingdom. I'm going to sow into this. Maybe there's that person for, for you in work. You're thinking, God, they wind me up. Sow into them differently. Be the difference. Maybe in your family. Maybe you're thinking to yourself, I wish she'd change. I wish he'd change. You be the change. Don't wait for them to change. You be the change. You start sowing differently, speak differently, share differently, serve differently, love differently, do what you need to do, and you'll see the harvest of that coming back to you. But right now, while every head is bowed, you may be here this morning, you've never surrendered your life to Jesus. You've never put your trust in him. You've never activated your faith. The Bible says this, that Jesus died to give you a brand new life. He'll exchange the seed of your old life for a brand new life that you can live completely differently to what you lived before. He's taken your shame, your guilt, your sin, the things you've done wrong. He says, come on, come follow me and I'll make you into the person that you want to be, that I want you to be. And so if you were here this morning, you've never yet surrendered your life to Jesus. This is the first seed you need to sow. Let your old life die and choose a brand new life with God. You can simply do that by faith. The way we do it in this church is we pray a simple prayer that allows you to say to God, that's me. I want to give you my life. So while every head is bowed, if that's you this morning, you're saying in your heart, I want, I want to give Jesus my life. I just want to invite you to raise your hand where you are. You just slip it up, I'll see it. And then I'm going to pray a simple prayer. I'm not going to embarrass you, but it'll be your prayer to this wonderful God. Thank you at the back. Anybody else? Anyone else? This is your decision to say yes to Jesus. Jesus, come into my life. Anybody want to join these two? Okay, for these two especially, pray this in your heart. You don't have to pray it out loud. You can mouth it to God. 
But this is your prayer to him. Heavenly Father, I come to you right now and I thank you that you give Jesus to die for me. I thank you that he took all my shame, all my guilt, all my sin, so that I can have a brand new life. And so Jesus, I invite you into my heart right now. I give my life to you. I choose to follow you. And from this day forward, I make you Lord of everything that I am. Help me to be the person you want me to be. Change me from the inside, I pray. For I ask it in your precious name. Amen. Everybody else, just before we move, what do you want to see in your future? What's, what's your five-year goal? What's your two-year goal? What's your next year goal? I just want to challenge you. Now is the time to sow. Now is the time to decide, okay, God, I'm going to do that. Father, I pray for every person in this room today, every person who's going to be watching this online today. I pray that, Father, you would help each one of us not to hear your word, but to put your word into operation in our lives, that we would activate your word by faith, that we would be sowers, that we would see what we sow grow, so that we would see your life impacting not just us, but those around us. And I pray for people right now, they need to sow in their family differently, they need to sow in their marriages differently, they need to sow in their workplace differently, they need to sow in the church differently. I pray that you would stir up people's hearts so that they would be sowers not just stowers, so that we can see your kingdom come in our lives and through our lives. For your sake, we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Bless you. Sorry. Yeah, I'm back. Uh, let's appreciate Grayson for that word. Thank you so much, Gray. Appreciate you. What a word. Gray, I know you've just come, come off. Can I invite you back on? I'm going to do a bit of a Q&A with you, if that's okay. Grab a seat. A very serious question to start. It's Wales versus England in the finals of the Euros. Who are you cheering for? Do you hear that? Wales every day, eh? Every day. It's got to be. I'm a Welshman. Wales a... sowed so that we could reap. Yep. You said that. Absolutely. But that's only in kingdom. Not in football. No, it's not in rugby neither. So, no, it would be definitely Wales. Right. So, Croatia, England this afternoon? Yep. Well, who are you choosing? Oh, England. England. Okay. Yes. No, no, I'm, I'm for England except when it comes to Wales. So, I'm not like every other Celt who wants everybody else to win other than... No, I, I'm, I like... Great, brilliant word. I want to pick up on um, a statement you made, um, and it's something that's very specifically come to our church before. And, you know, it's this word, you know, do you want to do, do you want to see your kids do well, speak well about church? And you think, well, what's the connection there then? Like, you know, we're talking about kids and we're talking about church. Aren't they two different topics? Why is it that speaking well of church is sowing for your kids? Explain that. It's, it's always what, what, what we think, right, is do as I say, not do as I do. But it never works with kids. So do as I say, you know, do what, I'm, do what I'm telling you. Kids will only do what they see. So the fact is, if they see you talking negative about church, if they see you, think, you know, critical of the 
pastor or things that are happening. And now listen, we all go through church and there's times that we all have a problem or an issue with something. But where you speak about that is very, very important when it comes to your kids. Because for us, it was, I, w- I want my kids to love Jesus. That means he's got to love his church. So we guarded them, protected them. But when, when something miraculous would happen, you know, somebody would give us, hey, kids, come and have a look at what's happened. Look at, look at this. We're able to go there because we got this or whatever it was. They always saw the blessing and none of the pain. Because why should they see pain? We don't want them seeing pain. Because that becomes a repeat echo through their lives. And too many pastors' kids and too many kids in church say, oh, I'm not going to church. I've seen what it did to my parents. I've seen what I would hurt. They shouldn't see that shouldn't see it. So I think it's important. So what about people who are saying, oh, I wish I'd known this 20 years ago. I wish I'd known this before, but it's, it's a bit too late for me now because they've seen the good, the bad, the ugly. Um, is there a way we can sow our way out of it? What about the people who've said, I've made those mistakes already? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think, I think the, the principle of sowing and reaping is that it may be that I'm reaping what was sold, whether it was my fault or not, whether I understood that or not. But today, I can change what I'm sowing. So I can speak differently. I can say, well, actually, you know, there was, when you come to church, oh, no, I remember church. No, church has changed. Church is different. You know, God's doing things. And, and to be honest with you, I, I just want to be honest with you. You know, you saw us go through some stuff. Maybe we didn't handle it the best way. So we have to own a little bit. But what that does, I think, is uproot some of the weeds that are now fruiting in our lives. Because Jesus doesn't say, and the Bible, forgive for, for God's sake. We sometimes think, oh, well, I've got to forgive because God wants me to. No, God says forgive because you need to. Because what you're doing is you're uprooting the stuff that would otherwise take root, and then it becomes the problem of always harvesting. So forgiveness allows us to cut off with some of that stuff. And sometimes we just got to sit down and talk about it and just say, yeah, probably... Perhaps we weren't the best the way we talked about church in those days. And be open and try then so differently. Really. So this thing you spoke about patience, you know. Um, what about that fear we feel? Thinking, I want to I sow, right? And like you said, oh, yeah. You sit here and go, I'd love to sow. And then you think about the bills. You think about the mortgage. You think about the coffee. You think about, oh, man. And then you think, oh, maybe I shouldn't, you know. Um, but God is saying, no, if you move, I'll move. And, and, and where does that hesitancy to trust God come from? And how do we overcome it? I, th- I think we're all today, probably more than ever, we're all living in the pressure pot of must have what everybody else has now. You know, when, 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 I, when my parents first got married, they lived in a caravan and then they finally got the next house and they grew a life that took them literally 60 years. I, when I was married, I wanted it almost straight away. And my kids now expect to have what I got now. And I have to sit down with them and say, we didn't get this. We lived in this. And we have to explain to them where we lived. And you, would, you wouldn't believe what we didn't have. And, did. and they're like, because I think every generation feels that they've got to have it now. It's, it's our right. And actually, God is patient. He's slow. In fact, I think I've preached it to you. God is often late. Because my timing is, God, I want it now. I want it then. And God, and God lets the clock tick over. So for Abraham, Abraham had to wait 25 years. In the midst of that, after about 13 years, he created the Ishmael. 
You know what I mean? He, he went and did his thing. And God sits there and goes, now he could have responded, okay, Abraham, okay, said I'll have a child. You know what I mean? You've just done wrong. He says, that's, you sowed it. You, you know, that's fine. That just, and he waits and he waits and he waits because he's looking for faith and he's looking for us to trust him more than what we see. And the problem for you and me is we live in a very natural world where we can have everything and we want it now. But kingdom is believing what you don't see as though you see it. So faith is, you know, the evidence of things not yet seen. And it's that thing of put your faith in him. So sowing as well, just, just for us to understand this, we do need to understand, you can't live your life maxed out and sow. You just can't do it. You've got to find some place where you create a gap. So I was literally sitting with my son the other day, and, you know, we were having this conversation. In fact, let me, let me share it. Sorry about this, but I, I'd preached on the Sunday morning, and I'd said, what it, if you don't like what you're in right now, maybe you haven't sown, and maybe it's time to change. So he came up and he said, you shouldn't have said that, because he's part of our team. I don't think you should have said that. That was negative. So I said, why shouldn't I have said it? Because it's true. So anyway, we had this big discussion then about sowing and reaping. And I said, the thing is, man, what you've got to understand is we're building a life and it takes a long time to actually do it. And you've got to be patient because God calls us into that patience. And I said, to sow means that if I'm sowing today, I can't eat today. So I said, I could be driving a brand new Merc instead of a 2010 Merc, but I decide to sow. And he went, that's true, isn't it? That's true, you could. And I said, yeah. But, you know, the, the Merck's not the issue. I was using that as the example. It's probably a bad example. But the fact is, you have to say, well, I can't have this today because I'm going to sow it. That's what the farmer says every year. I can eat this barrel of corn or I can sow it. Now, I'm going to sow it because I want to rely on the harvest. And we rely not on the harvest, relying on God wow. to then come back to it. So it's, we have to have that sacrificial <coughs> element in it yep. that we've... Because some people think, oh, I can't afford it. Everybody can afford it. Just cut the coffee. Why don't you get rid of Sky? You haven't got to have Netflix now. We're opening up. You can go and sit in the garden. You know what I mean? Whatever. Whatever it is, there's things that you can say, okay, well, maybe I'll, I just won't have that. I'll just, because I want to be a sower. Because I want to build my life going forward. So. I love the statement you made. And I think I'll remember it for the rest of my life. Whatever you sow never leaves your life it only moves into your future. That's brilliant, isn't it? Whatever you sow never leaves your life. It only moves into your future. Um, and like you said, we're sitting in a building that is the fruit of a generation that have sowed, some of them who are not here today. Completely. And this concept that we're sometimes sowing not for us to reap, yep. that sometimes we're sowing for others to reap, um, even if, if you think of the, the reason why I became a follower of Jesus Christ, there was a revival in the States donkeys years ago. Out of that, somebody got saved. Somebody then became a missionary. Three generations ago, they decided to travel to the south of India. My dad's oldest brother heard the gospel. Then my dad heard the gospel. And then, you know, I, I heard the gospel. But the people sowing in California in the 1800s, of which I'm a fruit of, um, and they're not here. They don't even know my name but they've sown for something that was larger than them. Um, why is it that that concept is, is sometimes difficult to swallow? Because I, I, if I sow, I want to reap. Uh, I don't want, yeah, you know, I don't want to sow in for Paul to reap because that's not fair. 
Um, why, why, is it, why is it that um, that that is such a hard lesson in the world we're in today to say, hey, why don't you sow so that somebody else can benefit as a result of that? Where do you get your inspiration to do that? I think, I think kingdom living demands sacrifice and death. It demands it. So it's the death of Jesus that sets us into life. But it actually says, and you were crucified with Christ. So I've got to be dying to myself somewhere. Now, this generation wants to live, 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 av, 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 av. And all that's, I understand that, but Christianity is counterculture. We live beyond. We live for. So the cause is what we're living for, not just our cause, my life, my family. What about me, me, me? No, people are dying all around the globe for the gospel. So you come from India. So, you know, mission agencies and Bible colleges in India are training young guys now to go into the north and die for the gospel. Correct. They know that's the payment. And they will go, and the expectation is, I'm going to give my life for this cause. And generations have done that. Our generation says, what about me? It's all about me. It's all about me, (laughs) Jesus. You know what I mean? And that's not the gospel. That has never been the gospel. It's always about, okay, what are you willing to live for beyond yourself? Because if you don't, then really, I think a lot of boredom in church comes because of self-consumed. I didn't like the music. I didn't like the way he preached. I didn't like, who cares? What's that got to do with anything? (laughs) It's it's nothing to do with it. Am I activating my faith? Am I living the way he wants me to do it? Am I being the person who's living beyond myself? Because... I mean, our church is called Legacy Church. For that, we want to leave something stronger than we found. We want generations. So I got my grandkids now, as I say, living in the house. I want them doing incredible things for God, built on what we have sown for them so that they are moving forward into what they got. Absolutely brilliant. Come on, let's appreciate Gray. This is great. I um, I could keep talking. One last question. Which beard looks better, Paul's or my goatee? You've got to be careful how you answer this question because our friendship depends on it. Well, Does... I've, I've got to say that the goatee's more in because I couldn't grow that. But if I could <laughs> grow that, that's be the one I'd be growing. He looks like ZZ Tops, doesn't he? <laughs> Guys, let's appreciate Grayson. Thank you so much. Really appreciate that. We honor you. We appreciate you. You are so loved here. And uh, we are delighted that you have been with us. Thank you so, so much. Let's stand all over this place. We're going to finish with a 